0: It's story time brought to you by locumstory.com. Today, we'll be reading one job, two job, one job, two jobs, red blob, no job, elective doc, emergency doc, some in overstock, some in out of stock. The doc is too abused. The doc is underused. This doc can't get sick. Say, let's try a brand new trick. For all the docs about to cry, here's an idea you can try. Look into a locum tenens assignment, a really great option. You might find it. Don't forget locums pays much better, and you can find assignments in any type of weather. With all of this new info trapped up in your thinker, go to financialresidency.com locumstory and use your mouse to tinker. It's here you'll find the unbiased answers that you are after, so you can decide if locum tenens is your next chapter. Welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast, where it's all about serving the early career physician. Let's talk about the unique issues that face us so we can create a better future for ourselves and those to come. And now your host, Dr. Andrew Tisser. Hey everybody, it's Andrew and welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. For my returning listeners, thank you so much. For my new listeners, welcome, because today, like on every episode, we're bringing you the best guests from all around healthcare and beyond to discuss issues relating to the early career physician. Today, I have Dr. David Roney. United States Naval Academy graduate, former two-sport NCAA Division I athlete, applied mathematician, cryptologist, cybersecurity specialist, and robotic general surgeon all before the age of 35, Dr. David Roney arose from poverty and homelessness as a child to create a type of success that serves as a blueprint for others to follow. Dr. David is a passionate advocate for the voiceless who uses his life experience and talents to help others navigate the complexities of life and achieve their dreams. His life's mission is to leave a lasting legacy that helps decrease the wealth gap and ease the barriers to a successful life that exists in the United States. Well, I know I'm excited. Let's get David onto the show. Dr. David Rooney, welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So uh, I already recorded a little bit about you, but in your own words, could you tell the listeners kind of who you are and what you do?
1: I'm uh, Dr. David Roney. I'm a general surgeon uh, focusing mainly uh, like love robotics and informatics. Uh, I come from humble beginnings um, and I have an unusual background in how I got into medicine. Uh, I am sort of the oddball who tries to fit out as a to fitting in. All right, you piqued my
0: interest. So what does that mean?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm not like everyone else in medicine, right? I'm one, I'm an African-American male, which we know in surgery alone, there's very few of us, right? And uh, minorities in general, which we need to improve our diversity numbers in medicine. Uh, but then I grew up differently than everyone else. I, I mean, I am I come from very, very humble beginnings. I was super poor as a child. I, managed to play basketball and pretty well I went to the United States Naval Academy to play basketball and I managed to run track there and then I got to do some cool stuff uh, when I went into the Navy and eventually switched over into medicine uh, working for the Navy uh, as a naval officer and doing general surgery and I have to give the disclaimer nothing I say today is uh is representative of the United States Navy. this is my words not anyone else's, um, and I'm representing myself. But that's basically the story where um, I, I'm not like everyone else. I don't have the same personality as everyone else to medicine. Uh, and I think trying to fit in does a disservice to me and those who I can inspire to come after me, because there's probably kids who grew up, who are growing up the way I grew up, who want to aspire to do things that they have never seen before. And I think me showing them that it's possible just by being myself is more of a benefit as opposed to me trying to be a cookie cutter surgeon. Well, that's
0: true. I mean, uh, just you're an inspiration in and of itself, right? Um, But what piqued your interest in in medicine to begin with? I mean, um, I think you got yourself, I mean, you got into the Navy by playing basketball. And how did that translate over to medicine?
1: I I never knew I was smart till really not too much longer ago, uh, probably about, man, about eight, nine years ago when someone finally told me like, hey, you know, you're actually kind of smart. We need to, you need to start to uh, realize that and really take a hold of your life. Um, The the reality is I always wanted to help people. And and it really goes back to how I grew up. Uh, We were super poor. We used to move all the time. And One day we're in Fallbrook, California, and uh, it was hot and we're trying to go to church and my mom falls and has a seizure and I have no idea what's going on. And I just start crying, breaking out crying in the middle of the street. And I remember that feeling of being helpless. And I was like, you know, I never want to be in this situation again. So I always had this like drive to help other people and make sure that I didn't, have that feeling in myself like I like I was helpless and I couldn't help others and then when I got to the Naval Academy my freshman year or my plebe year as we call it I validated some classes and then ended up in biology my plebe year and I'm looking around and the professor asked everyone what do they want to do uh, with their life. Like, what are they planning on doing? Are they going to medical school, dental school? And I'm looking around and all these folks are saying, well, I'm going to medical school. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to dental school. I'm going to be a dentist. And I honestly was like, man, am I in the right class? Am I supposed to be here? Right. And then class goes on and I'm starting to tutor other people. And as a freshman, I'm tutoring like seniors and juniors in biology. And I'm starting to think like, Hey, you know, if they're going to medical school, shouldn't I be able to go? And so I went and asked an advisor and he told me flat out like, yeah, you can go to medical school if you want to. And I didn't realize that was an option for me. And so then I made it. That was the thing I was going to do. And even then, people didn't think I was going to do it. So they gave me the nickname Doc as a sort of a joke, right, against me that they didn't think I'll ever make it to medical school. And I just kept pushing, pushing. And eventually I did.
0: Wow. So did that do you think that made you want to go even more them calling you doc or, or, or was it just, uh, you know, t- tuning out the haters kind of thing?
1: Oh, I, I love proving people wrong. Right. <laughs> so if you want to, if you want to tell me I can't do something, I'm going to make an effort to show you that I can right? that, uh, just because I grew up poor and grew up different than everyone else doesn't mean I'm less talented to any, than anyone else. And so I think people conflate, Uh, poverty with other things, right? Poverty is a, is, is a, is a epidemic, right? Um, In this country, in the world, right? And where um, unless you hit the genetic lottery and you're born into like uh, a certain amount of money or certain economic status, um, poverty is just one of those things. The luck of the draw, I had a bad economic luck of the draw, but the reality is, is like, I was born to a mother who Gave me a lot of principles and instilled in me a a, a work ethic um, that is hard to match. Right, so I'm willing to push myself harder than the person next to me because that that was the only thing I knew was how to work hard. I didn't realize I was intelligent as well.
0: Yeah, you know, if if it's okay with you, I just want to dig into your to your childhood a little bit more. Is yeah. that okay?
1: Yeah, go ahead. Um,
0: so you know, and I just want to make the point for the listeners here that. Uh, Dr. Roney not talking about poor, like doesn't get to go on vacation poor, you know, or makes 50 grand a year poor. I mean, we're talking like true poverty, homeless shelters, et cetera.
1: Right. Yes. Um, I've been homeless at least three times in my life. Uh, thank God after I got out of Academy, that sort of stopped. Um, but I mean, I've lived in a car with, uh, my mom and my brother and we ate, um, Burger King Whoppers when they were two for a dollar for every meal. Right. Because that's all the money we had. And then when that money ran out, we had to go to a homeless shelter. And I I can still smell the homeless shelter. I still remember the first night there where it's a women's homeless shelter. And my mom, and my brother, we we slept in the same room. My mom slept up against the door to make sure nobody came in the next morning. uh, We had no clothes. Right. And so we go to, uh, into like the little hall where uh, you go to eat and they just throw all the clothes on the floor. And I stood there and I'm like, you know, I'm not picking that up. And then my mom told me not to be so proud. And I remember that, in that day, I was like, I never want to go through this ever again. Right. Because I, I, it, it felt terrible that I'm having to, I'm at the point where I'm having to pick clothes up off the floor. Um, I mean, I've been through situations where I couldn't even cut my hair in high school. Now, thank God Allen Iverson was popular. You can wear Afro and braids, but like <laughs> I, we couldn't afford haircuts, right? Or there's times that, I mean, I'm walking 1 a.m., 2 a.m. from basketball games that are way on the other side of town because I don't have anybody to pick me up and I don't have any bus money, but I had to go play basketball because that was my only way to get out of my situation. Wow. I, so
0: w- what do you think? you know, now, you know, now you as a surgeon, as, as a success story, you know, what, what would you say to your childhood self then, you know, looking back?
1: Honestly, it, it wasn't all, it wasn't easy, right? I mean, I went through a lot. And then what I would tell that my younger self is I just have to endure, right? Because it's all going to be better eventually. Hey, can't,
0: can't beat that. So, you know, I think, a lot of my listeners are phys- most of my listeners are physicians you know residents and and those early in their career, and many of them are privileged right and grew up not the way you grew up and and had a pretty easy go of it um and are wondering these days like how how do we you know I'll include myself um support people like you who are clearly very intelligent, very motivated, but we're not born in a situation that lends itself to go in this path? You know, how, how do we help?
1: Well, I mean, so one in medicine, we have a diversity issue. We have to improve our diversity. Right. And that, and that's not just from a race or gender uh, standpoint. That also happens to be like diversity of thought, like people that you didn't think fit the mold of a doctor Well, they might have some skills that actually would make them a great doctor, right? And I think the profession will benefit from having diversity of thought. And the way we do that is we have to start changing our mindset, right? We have to stop with uh, the sort of um, the checkbox sort of algorithmic, like, oh, this person fits the mold of a surgeon or this person fits the mold of an internal medicine doc and get rid of those old stereotypes and really start to break down those barriers that exist so that people know and everyday people know, whether you're rich or poor or whatever, that you have a chance to become a doctor if you have the right intelligence.
0: Oh, great point. I think you know, you you have a financial platform that's uh, you know I was browsing through your website just before this started. It's uh, you know a lot of great stuff on there, um, but just to bring finances into this discussion for a second, uh, the current you know tuition crisis and student loan crisis we have in this in this country uh, is, in my opinion, is only going to worsen our our diversity issues that we have um, in medical education. Right? I mean, because there's going to be a there may be a time if this continues to go unchecked where it is unaffordable to become a physician, even for just the regular
1: middle-income uh, American, right? I mean, what do you think about I, that? I, I 100% agree. If you think about, heck, 15, 20 years ago, people weren't paying $250,000, $300,000 for uh, a medical school education. I've heard of people going to dental school and coming out close to $500,000 in debt. That's, that, that's really... Astronomical number, right? And so I think we get sort of uh, the baby is thrown out of the bathwater, right? Because once we get out, we go, oh, that that'll never happen again. But the reality is, the tuition hikes are are ongoing; and continue to rise, right? But the uh, but medical education has also changed quite a bit. I mean, you're not think about all the schools that were or how you went through medical school. When I went through, I didn't go to a lot of classes. I sat there and looked at the videos. And studied on my own and i imagine and that was seven years ago so i imagine that that scenario is probably more common that more students actually don't go to class in person and they just look at the videos later so they can study on their own schedule it's only going to get worse as the costs go up and in this country we have a huge wealth divide right the middle class is essentially gone away, and then you have the very, you have the poor, the folks at the bottom, and then you have the the wealthy, the folks at the top, and then some a conglomerate of people in the middle, right? It used to be before that you can say you're a surgeon, you're upper middle class. I don't know what what class surgeons are in, right? Obviously, we're not at the bottom, but we're not all the way at the top either. You're not going to get rich in medicine. So if it's costing, let's say it gets worse and it costs $600,000 a year, or or for medical school education, who in their right mind is gonna knowingly sign up for that unless they have a good plan on how to pay it back, right? It's just kind of hard to recommend people doing that, right? So I think in medicine, we're at a a tipping point. Either we have to decide that this is the max amount of tuition that we wanna charge students, or we're gonna start to lose out and that diversity is gonna get way worse. We're gonna lose students to engineering programs, technology, finance, any other field that doesn't cost as much um, because that is a barrier to entry.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, even thinking about it, I graduated medical school in 2014 and tuition was $80,000 a year, right? Uh, and it was on Long Island. So you had living expenses. You know my wife and I both graduate, you know, we, we have a com- combined, we had a combined med school debt after interest capitalization, et cetera, of a million dollars. Right. Why would you ever do that? <laughs> like, and we're both first generation, like middle income parents, right? Like why and, and how could you look at that number and be like, yeah, it'll be OK.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, that, I, that's I agree. What I'm completely. Talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Like how like if you I think we we in the medical community, we're a little bit of masochist. Right. And what we do is we only see we see that care like oh, I get to become a doctor. It's the thing I always wanted to do. And then we forget about the all the stuff that comes with it, right? The stress, the work-life balance issues, and then the the cost of it, right? The financial cost. I think if we're all had a clear head and we're thinking with a financial lens as well as what I want to do in my life. You have to weigh those things, right? Because up front, I think a lot more people will be looking for scholarships like the HPSB program or trying to partner with a hospital to see if they would pay. So they don't have to take out a lot of these loans. And the worst part is if you're unable to get federal loans, you end up having to take out private loans that have interest rates that are astronomical. We have to remember student loan uh, like lending is a big business, Yeah. Predatory one at Um, it's extremely predatory.
0: Yeah. I don't know how we got here, but (laughs) we could talk about this all day, but so let's, let's segue this way. So you, you have a financial platform. How did, how did your upbringing and your training and everything you've gone through in your life, lend yourself to an interest in, in finances and what is your platform and, and what do you offer? How did that all start?
1: So I, I run a blog called Surgify, uh, s u r g i f i dot com, and uh, it started as a way for me to help others uh, during the pandemic, right? So I had the pen started a pandemic in March, really, when we everything started to shut down. I wasn't operating as much, and then I was seeing family and friends like put to like have to go on GoFundMe to uh, to try and uh get some extra money and then there was uh people getting laid off and I'm like man this kind of sucks like and my brother challenged me to help in some way and one of the ways he pointed out was like hey you know you you've been through trying to add financial literacy stuff like that it's like find a way to utilize that right because back in 2007 when I graduated from the Naval Academy I tried to get a financial advisor because I I had I had zero financial literacy and the great financial crisis was starting. I was trying to figure out what was going on with some mutual funds that I had that a coach who was an advisor for Primerica had put me into and the money's going down. So I called and they're like, well, you don't have enough money to get a financial advisor. And I'm trying to figure out why I couldn't get one. And they tell me I didn't make enough and I didn't have enough. And I was like, well, what's a financial advisor even do? And then they was like, well, you know, they manage money. And so I was like, well, what do they read? And they told me to start with the prospectus from my mutual funds. And I started with that. And then I realized it was all jargon filled because I was having to look at a dictionary or Google something and try and figure out what the words meant. And it started my love and my sort of drive to learn finance really well, because it felt like they, the financial services industry turned their back on me when I needed them most. So Uh, To circle back to Certify, Certify started as a a, and it still is a passion project where I just try to teach people financial concepts that is jargon free, right, so that they can sort of get up to speed very quickly and be able to manage their own money.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, you you got some really good stuff on there and I like how simple it is, you know? It's just it this is what it is, you know? It do, it doesn't really get into to nitty-gritty more so than just like what is a bond, you know? <laughs> like um Yeah, that's great. That's really wonderful. So, you know, what as far as um as far as what you're doing now, uh the are you working on, on anything else? Is anything else coming down the pipe for you? Or you just got Surgify operating, doing some cool robotic stuff or is there anything else going on?
1: Yeah. So I, I sit on the, I was lucky enough to uh, get invited to sit on the board of a nonprofit called the FinServe Foundation, where basically we're trying to increase the representation of underrepresented um, demographics in the financial services industry. I uh, sit on my alumni board for the Kirksville Osteopathic Alumni Association. Um, and then I just take on projects as they come. Uh, I'm really big into informatics, so I'm trying to develop uh, a project that I'll keep a little bit secret for now and uh, <laughs> that, that is hopefully will help decrease the amount of um, medical errors and give patients more autonomy and, and more control over their medical information.
0: Cool. Oh, that oh, sounds great. Um, David, I'm just going to shift the show a little bit before we run out of time just to learn yeah. a little bit more about you. Um, so, uh, what do you like to do for fun other than all those things we just mentioned?
1: <laughs> Man, my kids, I like to hang out with my kids, hang out with my wife, um, and just, uh, play with them anytime I'm away. I try After a certain point, I try not to do any work and just be around them and be present. Um, and just play video games with them, have fun, run around, wrestle, stuff like that. Can't beat that.
0: Uh, so, do you have like I, besides reading, you know, prospectus, prospecti, prospectuses? Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> besides that, do you have a like a good uh, book recommendation for the listeners?
1: You know, everyone has a a journey. Uh, if they're just looking to like, hey, you know what? I just want to start with something simple. I tell people to avoid like the Dave Ramsey's and the um, Rich Dad Poor Dad, even though I'm a huge fan of Rich Dad Poor Dad, the book. I think uh, Ramit uh, Ramit Sethi's I Will Teach You to Be Rich is probably the best book out there currently. Um, But there's a lot of different flavors. My favorite book of all time is The Intelligent Investor. And I read that pretty frequently. I've read it probably about five times and I, I reread it. I go over and look at stuff because as I gain more financial knowledge, certain things make more sense. But I tend to love investing. Some people don't love that aspect of things, but I tend to like the nuances of it. Those are both
0: great, great books. And uh, listeners should check them both out if you haven't and Rich Dad Poor Dad because that's great. Uh, but uh, a- anyway, other than that, Um, You've given us a lot of, you know, really interesting things to to think about on the show thus far. But if you could give the early career physician just a single piece of advice, what do you think that would be?
1: Be intentional about what you want to get out of medicine. And what I mean by that is medicine will take and take and take, right? Because you have a rare skill and there's not enough of us. But if you don't carve out what actually brings you joy and what enjoyment you get from medicine, you will burn out and you will feel like you're losing yourself and you're going to want to leave. And medicine can't afford to have you leave. So it's better that you carve out a special piece that brings you joy. You make sure that you know what that is and you can do that frequently because medicine is getting more complex with the administrative aspect, the technological aspect. And the the issues surrounding patient care in general that you can get burnt out very easily. So save something for yourself.
0: Yeah, that's that's so true and so good. I mean, we're facing the the biggest exodus of uh, young doctors from the spe- from the profession in time. So uh, David and I both want people around to take care of us when we're old. So. <laughs> please. Yeah. Uh, we want to encourage people to stay in medicine. So, uh, thank you David so much for coming on the show. Uh, surgify.com. Can we find you anywhere else online?
1: Yeah. Find me on Twitter at F I S U R G I by surgery. I, I, someone's sitting on the surgify, uh, handle, so I can't have it, but, uh, <laughs> find me there, um, or check out the website or contact me at contact at surgify.com. Great. Awesome, man. I'll put
0: all that stuff in the show notes for the listeners. Thank you again for sharing your story and, and being open to talking about it on the show and uh, for everything you're doing, putting out there in the world. Everybody appreciates it.
1: I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, man.
0: For doctors, the story has changed. Visit financialresidency.com slash locum to see if locum tenens assignment is right for you. It's here you'll find the unbiased answers you are after so you can decide if locum tenens is your next chapter. What a fantastic episode with Dr. David Roney. He really shed some light on some difficult topics and is a true example of what is possible. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and leave me an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts and share it with at least three of your friends. The other thing I'd like you to do after listening is visit my website at andrewtisserdo.com, where you can find free resources, a free video series, and much more coming real soon. Thank you again for listening, and remember, keep talking. All opinions expressed by the guest in this episode are solely the guest's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Andrew Tisser, D.O., TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof. The guest's opinions are based upon information he or she considers reliable, but Andrew Tisser, D.O., TalkToMe.LC, nor any affiliates thereof warrant its completeness or accuracy. The guest, Andrew Tisser, Me TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided in this episode. The guest's statements and opinions are subject to change without notice.